Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The screams caused space to ripple, as if the dark matter of the universe all at once began to shiver. At the same time, infernos blazed across the cosmos, 
suns bringing light to the perpetual night that once engulfed the universe. For a moment, all the horrors that once lived in the blackness and were averted to light became visible, their titanic and indescribable symmetry scarring the new-lit horizons, terrible visages foul enough to imprint themselves upon the forming constellations. As the universe became alive with light, the shrieks eventually waned and he felt himself plummet. But he wasn't falling, he was fleeing. Where he was going, he couldn't even describe. They were beyond the lexical borders of language, sights the brain could nary process or capture. Vague shapes and terrible geometries assaulted his eyes, places whose dimensions and physics were beyond Newtonian reach. Then, complete and utter darkness. But this wasn't like the darkness prior, this was something else. A night deeper than any he'd seen before. Pale eel things swam through the darkness like titanic leviathans, their mass almost disturbing the very night through which they silently coasted. He could devour them if he chose, but he knew where he was, knew he and the others had been given shelter, safety. They had escaped into depths so deep and dark, so ancient, not even the light could touch them. But a great debt needed to be paid. Names echoed out into the ether, foreign things, some of which could not be spoken by human tongues. But when the name Hesperius was uttered, a feeling of rage and indignation overcame him, a burning anger that could rival the heat of the suns. Many things surged through his ancient and alien mind, but the foremost was a single, shackling realization. Bondage. Wesley woke up with a start, kneeling on the ground, shirtless, in the woods. The echo of something haunted the forest, a bellow of some sort, deep and inhuman. But it seemed to have passed, now carrying faintly away in the distance. He realized he was just outside the discovery site. He had no idea how he'd gotten there. It seemed to be morning, as the sun, one of them anyway, was just starting to bleed over the horizon. As usual, the sky complained in deep grumbles, a light rain sprinkling over his bare skin. He could hear the groaning of the massive trees, the wind pushing them this way and that like an unruly dance partner. He looked around. He was alone. He wasn't sure how he was going to explain this to the others. He supposed he'd tell them the truth, that he must have sleepwalked. His parents told him he used to do it in his early teens that they'd find him in weird places like the chicken coop or in the barn with the horses. But he hadn't done it since, at least not to his knowledge. Then, of course, there was the matter of the dream. What did it mean? When he tried to think about it, he felt a sharp pain in his head, as if the thoughts themselves were jagged in shape, cutting his brain as he tried to conjure them. He also felt the stare again, the one beaming from that dark corner in his mind, where an unwelcome guest lived. This time, he wouldn't relent, though. These strange nightmares meant something. But to call them nightmares made them seem more ephemeral than what they were. There was a cogency to them, a solidity that defied the whimsy of dreams. They were almost like... memories. And who, or what, was Hesperius? The mental utterance of the name caused an earthquake in his mind an acute migraine spreading across his skull. He almost screamed, 
grabbing his head as if it might contain the pain. This is you, isn't it? What the hell are you hiding? For once, the voice kept quiet, but the pain kept coming. Ah! I'm not going to stop, you piece of shit! So you can either cause my head to explode or, or start spilling! Finally, the voice spoke. Oh, really? Do you truly think you can hand out ultimatums, little Wesley? You are nothing. Just a fucking walking, talking monkey whose years have almost run out. Wesley fell to the ground, clutching his head as if to keep it from bursting. He finally screamed. Ah, okay, fuck! Fine, I'll, I'll stop, I'll fucking stop! Oh... What happened to your never-going-to-stop, Wesley? Where's that grit? Where's that can-do attitude? (laughs) After a few minutes, the pain subsided, and Wesley was able to lift himself up. You can't... You can't keep whatever you're hiding from me forever. I will find out. Oh, I'm afraid you don't know what forever is, pup. But I assure you, I will outlast it. For now, Wesley let it go. He needed to get back to camp as he was sure the others must be looking for him. He trudged his way through the brambles and walked in the direction of the dark plumes of smoke emanating just beyond the clearing. When he arrived at the campsite, Moffat was sitting on the cot he had claimed from one of the neighboring tents. He wore his typical shit-eating grin. Well, there he is. Go for a stroll, did we? He didn't seem surprised to see Wesley. It was as if he was just waiting there for him to return. Wes, where did you get off to? You know we shouldn't be going anywhere alone. Vorn and River were coming from one of the munitions tents, just a few yards out. Sorry, uh, I... I guess I, I sleepwalked, it seems. Um, used to do it when I was a kid. Seems like... Maybe the stress of it all is... I don't know, maybe it's getting to me. Vorin suddenly pivoted to Cyrus. And why didn't you stop him? It was your watch. Terribly sorry. I must have fallen asleep. But he's all right, aren't you, Dr. Morgan? Another smile crossed his face. One that both revealed and concealed. Wesley just didn't know what. Yes, I was, uh... I was just a bit startled when I came to. I'm I'm all right. Did you see anything out there? We heard a hellacious sound coming from the tree line. Didn't sound human. Wesley remembered the echoed sound he woke up to. Yeah, yeah, I heard a bit of that, but uh I I think that it might have snapped me out of it. River started signing. I think so too. River says we should get going. If something is out there, it's relatively close by. We'd best not be here if it decides to visit. With that, the troop began to pack up all the equipment and rations they had pilfered from the camp, MREs, ammunition, guns, and started in the direction indicated on the map Wesley had found the day before. But as they walked through the camp, Wesley noticed something to the periphery of his vision, a fleeting shape somewhere in the barracks tent to his left. You guys see that? See what? I... I could have sworn I saw something just now in the barracks. What did it look like? 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get a clear look, but there was something definitely there. The group paused for a moment, deliberating whether to investigate the thing or to flee the scene as quickly as possible. Finally, Riva started towards the barracks, a determined stride ending the unspoken debate. Wesley followed, making his way into the other side of the tent. The place had the same eerie orderliness as the rest of the site. The beds were all made, sheets and blankets clean, lockers fastened tight. The tapestries of embroidered flesh and sinew were scattered across the walls and ceiling, hollowed out eyes and mouths yawning. It was like hell and earth had melded together, planes of banality punctuated by bouts of infernal horror. Wesley slid between the beds on the left side of the room while Riva took the right, looking anywhere someone or something might hide. He looked behind him and saw Moffat shining that strange lantern of his around, shadows dancing about the room. At one point, a certain silhouette caught his eye, a figure of a man shivering within a long, elongated box. The black simulacrum was attached to a certain locker located towards the back of the room. Moffat's eyes met Wesley's, then Riva's. The Malsair made his way towards the tall metal box, Wesley behind him with his gun at the ready. With a single motion, Riva slammed the door of the locker open. A scream joined the metal clang of the door. A shrinking man squeezed into the claustrophobic space. Ah! Please! Uh, please, don't kill me! I, I'll do anything you want. I, I, just please don't kill me. The man was visibly shaking, causing the metal of the locker to rattle. He wasn't an imposing man. He had a tall, slender build, his clothes hanging off of him like a little boy trying to wear his father's clothes. The man had an olive complexion, a brownish-green tinge to his skin. His raven hair was freshly slicked back, and his frightened eyes were round cerulean ponds. Wesley looked at the small name label attached to his uniform. It read, Azarello. Vorn walked up from behind the group and laid his hands upon the man's trembling shoulders. Take it easy, we're not going to harm you. We're survivors from Discovery Site 1. We came in hopes of finding others, but... Can you tell us your name, soldier? My my, my name is Sal, Salvatore. Salvatore Azarello. I mean, Private Salvatore Azarello. Nice to meet you, Salvatore. I wish it were under better circumstances, but... Can you tell us what happened here? Wesley could see the man's eyes look down, his mind hesitantly going backwards in time. It happened so fast. It, everything... Everything was fine one moment, and then... And then it wasn't. It was raining, like usual, you know? And I was back towards the back of the encampment, moving some crates into the storage units. Then... Then there was the most horrible sound. Like hell was given a voice, you know? Then on the horizon, there was a... There was a shape in the mists. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it, it wasn't there long before it seemed to tear apart. Then a, a storm, or, or something like a storm, hit the camp. Strange colored lightning and shadows began to flash across the whole encampment. Everything kept going black, then just... Uh, then just glimpses. Glimpses of what was happening to everybody. I saw terrible things. Things, 
things tearing apart the others, putting them back together. Jesus Christ, the way they screamed, at the, the way the other things laughed. I'm... I'm sorry you had to go through that. If you don't mind me asking, how did you manage to survive? Salvador's head lowered as if he was ashamed of what he was going to say next. I... I ran. I... I was already at the back of the camp. I... Uh, once I started seeing the things, I, I, I just ran towards the forest line. I, I stayed there until whatever it was passed. I, I stayed out there a few days, just hiding behind an uprooted tree. Eventually, I got hungry and came back, but by then, everything was done. Been here ever since. He paused for a moment, a grimace crossing his face. I know, I, I know I should have stayed and fought, but I, I, I just couldn't. If you could have seen... Wesley stepped closer to the man. You did the right thing. There's, there's no shame to be had. There was nothing you could have done. Nothing at all. What, what happened to you guys? Did, did it come for you too? Our assailant was a bit different, but just as malicious and devastating. We're the only survivors from our camp. I thought a couple of other guys made it out of our camp, um, but they were deeper into the woods. Never saw them after that. I believe we may have run across them. I'm afraid they didn't make it. Salvador just nodded, accepting the news. Look, um, I know you've had a horrible time of it, but um, we're going to be traveling to a town nearby. Apparently one of your site's recon teams discovered it a few days from here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I heard something about that. Uh, they were looking for some volunteers to function as envoys of some sort. Try to open a line of communication, you know? It was, uh, shortly after that, well, all this happened. Well, Salvatore, I'm not sure how much longer this place will be safe. We heard the roar, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard that too. I was thinking about leaving, but... Come with us. There's there's no use in trying to go it alone, Salvador. Salvador nodded. Thank you. The men made their way out of the tent and helped Salvatore pack up his things. Wesley took out the map and rechecked their bearings. Um, if I'm reading this right, I believe the first marker is over there. Wesley pointed to an outcropping of weeds and thickets. Salvatore suddenly interjected. Uh, actually, uh, I believe it's that way. They put some yellow markers around some of the trees. Uh, that's the starting point, I think. Wesley turned the map around a couple of times, trying to get the right orientation. Oh, yes, uh, I see now. Perhaps it might be wise to let Salvatore navigate. He is more familiar with the area, yes? Uh, yes, sir. Wesley handed the man the map, and they started walking towards their destination. After several miles of walking through brush and over steep hills, they were back in the woods again. They had passed the last set of markers about an hour ago, some yellow rope wrapped around the twisting body of a rotting oak. He wasn't sure if he had noticed it before, but some of the branches of the trees connected to those of other trees, as if they weren't separate entities at all but part of one big network. 
The suns were almost down and the moon was beginning to shoulder its way between a thick body of clouds. The rain was beginning to come down a bit harder, a wet song of water drumming wood echoing throughout the forest. Riva turned around and signed to the group. Time to pack it in, everyone. Let's set up the tents. The camp had been a treasure trove of useful equipment, including moderately sized tents and sleeping bags. It only took about an hour to get a fire going and everyone's lodgings in place. Soon it was the usual scene. The men, now plus one, sitting around a small blaze, the crackle of burning leaves and sticks joining the ambiance of the night woods. Salvatore spoke of his home back in Brooklyn, where he lived with his aunt, his parents having been killed during the great darkness of 1999. Wesley noticed his eyes often wandering to Riva, and to a lesser degree, Moffat their appearance as being the most unconventional of the bunch. The man was too polite to ask why Riva never spoke, and why there was a man with antique Victorian clothing traveling with them. Just as Salvatore seemed to get a bit more comfortable, Vorin came out of his tent, where he'd been reading for the past few hours. There he is. Tell us... What wonderful little revelations have you drawn from those books of yours? Little, I'm afraid. A lot of what I was able to read were the personal journals of a house's patriarch. Much of it has to do with his daily life within this cult of the last interfectorum. It seems this last interfectorum fellow was a person in ancient times named Drusian Azra. I've only been able to extract little bits here and there, but he seemed to have been selected for some kind of monumental task, along with a group of eleven others. There are a few specifics about what that task was, but it seemed to involve escorting a criminal or a figure of ill repute to a sacred site of some sort. Beyond that, the journal is filled with all sorts of secret rituals and pious ramblings. There are references to certain landmarks, such as the Citadel of Morlin, the Land of Burnt Offerings, the Crimson Hills, a city named Gastrazul, but little description is provided for these places. So, we essentially have a library of ravings from a madman. Well, there is one thing that keeps coming up in the journals. From what I can gather, there was an ancient event, a cataclysm, maybe, that affected the world. It speaks of a spreading storm of corruption, a kind of dark transformation that took hold of the lands and the seas. Details were sparse, but it's clear the event is of great significance to their beliefs. Does it say how it came about? No, but... It has a name. And what's that? They call it... The Nocument. Grimland is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Stephen Anslone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anslone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about Grimland and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, 
visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about Grimland and the world of Maltopia, visit us at maltopia.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 